going on everybody this is shay coming back at you with another episode of the emmaus proposition man i'm i'm super glad that y'all are joining me on this if this is your first time listening in thank you so much for coming to check it out uh here at the emmaus proposition we believe that everything everything in in all of reality points its way back to christ and and so we take a look at different things that are going on in life, culture, the arts, wherever have you, and and try to lead our way talking about how everything is for him and through him and to him. And so that's that's our aim here at the Emmaus Proposition. And for those who, uh, who, uh, who've been joining us from the beginning, thank you. Thank you so much for your support. Thanks for your love. Please make sure to share the word, what we're doing over here, because uh, we want to see Christ glorified and we want to see him lifted up in every area. And, and the best way to do that is to talk about him in every sphere. There, there's, there's nothing that we could talk about in all of existence that doesn't point its way back to Christ. And so thank you all for joining me. Thank you all for the love and support. Thank you all for telling folks about it. The best, the best thing we could do is word of mouth and, hey, um, hit me up on your socials, putting it out there on your socials. I would appreciate the love. Thank you all for, for being here and joining me. So, as you can tell by the title of the description, today we're going to be talking about some heavy stuff that's going on. So, as we speak right now on the news, the governor of Texas is addressing the nation and he's talking about the shooting that occurred at the elementary school in Ulvine, Texas. And man, this this is a this is a heavy episode. Is there's it should never be that you send your child to school and they don't come home. And so, man, I I'm praying for the families that are out in those in those communities, uh, not just Olvi, man. We've had. I remember I remember when I was when I was younger, uh, so it was I think it was about probably around 1999 or so. We had the Columbine shootings, and I was too young at the time, so I had to have been what, uh, 21 or so, and not really not really thinking about the world, still trying to, to piece together my own life. But as I'm looking back at it now, as a dad, and someone who, since the, in the 20 years or so since Columbine happened, um, the devastation that these communities have faced when you, you send your child to school and then you get this call or you turn on the news, or or just, I don't know, you get notified that, hey, something happened at school, and your baby girl or your son is not going to be coming home today. I, I can't, I can't imagine the devastation. I dropped my son off at school this morning, and man, I had to take an extra long hug because, because life is so fickle, because there's so much evil in the world. 
you never know when it's going to be the last day that you hold somebody. And so my heart, my heart, my prayers go out, go out to these families. I, I, I can't imagine the devastation they're feeling right now. Um, and so the conversation ensues, right? And of course, because it's on the news uh, in the current political system that we live in, everything becomes politicized, right? And so automatically you got folks that are saying, yeah, let's, let's, let's now make this a gun control issue. You got other folks that are like, yeah, let's make this a mental health issue. Let's, let's, uh, let's beat the door down as far as, you know, if that, if there had been guns on scene, this, this wouldn't have happened. Like you, you got all the politicization that happens. And honestly, man, politics, let's, Politics aside, like I, I don't know, maybe one day we'll talk about politics on here. But for today, um, somebody just lost their son and their, and their daughter. And people are grieving and they're hurting. And it has, it has nothing to do with politics. Um, it has more to do with the evil that's increasing in this world. And the, the main evidence that we can see for the increase, increase of evil is the devaluing of human life. For some reason, for some reason, the, the nation that we live in has continually, continuously devalued human life all across the board. And so you'll see it when kids are in the womb, like you have this increase of the devaluing of human life where people will say stuff like, when does even, like they, they try to justify when life begins um, to, try to, to try to circumvent the fact that there's a human life that's growing inside of a person and that life should be valued. They'll, they'll make that into, well, I, I value the life of the living mother over the life of the child. And, but, but the conversation is more about, but this is a, this is a life and we should value it and honor it. Right. Then you got stuff like this where kids get to school age and you send them off to school and you send them there to learn their ABCs and one, two, threes and the sciences and because there are other human beings that are that are so hurt or so overcome by evil, whether through oppression or possession or, or whatever have you, that they have such a, an evil demonic force around them that they'll go inside of an elementary school and kill children. Just just not even valuing life. And then you'll have people that get gunned down in the streets and people will say, well, they deserved it because they were, they were out doing stupid stuff. And they'll say stuff like, um, stupid choices, or you, you play stupid games, you get stupid prizes. And that, and that statement is a, is a devaluing of human life. Somebody just lost their son and their daughter. They just lost their, their dad, their uncle. 
grandfather. People are being gunned down in the streets. People are being choked out. Policemen are being ambushed. It's all across the board that we just, more and more, we're devaluing human life. And then we get up in age. And you got people in nursing homes that just rot to death. Their families don't go visit them. They get, they get sick and can't get out of bed. And the nurses are there caring for their physical bodies, but nobody there is caring for their souls. Nobody's there lifting them up, giving them hope, helping them transition out of this life in a, in a way that's, that's valuing to their life in their experiences it's just across the board man at, at, at every phase of life we just have this attitude where we just care less and less and i was as i was sitting here thinking about that because i'm like how do i how do i make this like an entire episode talking about the devaluing of human life because it's 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 heavy man right But it's not the first time this has happened in history. It's not the first time that we have looked at the life of another human being and said, their life means less to me than mine does. Like we don't, we don't value human life, right? I can look back in, in biblical times and look at how Pharaoh, because of this jealousy that he had for the Hebrews, this this rage that came inside of him, this this fear that he had that the that the Hebrews were going to rise up one day and overthrow his kingdom. He puts out an edict that says, because the midwives won't kill these kids when they come out the womb, I'm ordering that all um, all the all the Hebrew babies, I think it was boys, all the Hebrew boys, be tossed into the Nile River. Just deep, just who cares about, who cares about life? You would have some of the Canaanite tribes that would go through and instead of valuing the life of their child, they would put their child on an altar of Chemesh. I believe that God's name was Chemesh. It was an iron statue. They would put the baby up on the altar. The, the, the statue's hands was, was coming out like this. They put it on that altar and then they'd roast the baby alive as an offering to their gods. A complete devaluing of human life. It was one of the primary reasons why God looked at the land of Canaan and said, Oh, heck no. I don't, I, I, we don't serve a God that says he's, he's okay with giving up your, giving up your children as an offering. You don't serve a God like that. And people will argue, yeah, but he told Abraham to give up his son. And that was, that was a unique test for Abraham. That's not, God, God is not a God that, that looks at a people group and says, you know what's a great idea? Burn your babies. Kill your, kill your babies. That, that's what a great idea is. We don't serve a God like that. But we're, right now we're living in a country that's more and more seeming like the land of Canaan, where life is life is just not valued at all. Like there's 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 no there's 
there's there's always like a politicization to it. There, there's there's some politics around it where people people justify putting life aside for the sake of something else. I don't think God is honored by that. And and over time, I think more and more God starts to look at that and he's storing up judgment for a nation like that. And I, I really do think that. I, get, I think God is storing up judgment for the nation we live in. It's scary, man. It's scary and it's and it's sad because we'll people will look at the stuff that's happening in Texas right now and they'll say, Oh, the babies. How could how could people do this? And yet turn around and devalue life devalue life over over in this area. So whether that's for old folks, like they they won't value the life of, of the elderly. Or they won't value the life of the people that are losing their lives by corruption or greed, gang violence, diseases. They won't they won't value that life, but they'll get upset with this one. They won't they won't value the life that's in the womb, but they'll get upset at something like this shooting. And it's it's hypocritical, man. And it's it's sad. It's it's completely sad. And we need solutions. And when we turn to the scriptures and we see it and we see Jesus, he comes on like in Matthew 24. He's, he says, because lawlessness will start to increase in the last days, the love of many will grow cold. And I feel that, man. I, I feel that temptation of, of growing cold and, and of saying to God, like, when are you going to come back? When, when are you going to come and, and, and do something about all this loss of life? But God is not oblivious to all that. God is not oblivious to the suffering that we're going through. God's God's not oblivious to our to our hypocrisy that we we just will we'll say crazy stuff like um, I'm okay with this one over here, but I'm not okay with this one over here. I had a friend of mine one time not too not too long ago because I'm in the military and, and my job as a chaplain in the military is to quite essentially the military is is a war machine like it's our we we have a license to kill and and we take it very seriously and so we will court-martial people if they if they abuse this license to kill because we we understand the gravity of what we're being asked to do we understand the gravity of of going overseas somewhere and and helping people in other foreign countries have to put down evil. People are trying to live their lives. They're trying to uh, serve their version of God, however they see fit. And you have others that come along and they just, they try to inject evil into their culture. And, and sometimes we're asked to go over there and help them put down that evil so that people can continue to live their lives in peace and security. And I had a friend of mine one time, because he knew my stance on abortion and, and whatever have you. He was like, how are you, how are you okay with killing people overseas, but you're not okay with a woman's right to choose having an abortion? 
and and honestly, man, like my mind is blown at that question because it's a it's a it's like a fundamental misunderstanding of what it means to value life and what it means to protect the innocent. Because over here, we have people that are trying to live their life. And we're being asked as the military people to, to, to go over and help them secure life. And yes, sometimes because people won't come around, we'll try to talk to them first. Like we'll try to, we try to help build up communities and, and we try to negotiate. We try to use diplomacy and all that stuff. And sometimes that don't work. And you have to go through and use a military option and, and, and stop a cancer before it spreads. Versus with, with an abortion where a mother is, is, is not saying, I'm trying to do what's best for my child. They're actually saying, I'm trying to do what's best for me. And, and those two things are, are just like, they're so counter to each other. And, the, and my friend who asked me, I know what he was trying to say. He was trying to say like, um, if you value life over here, you should be consistent. If you, if you value life at abortion, then you should also be consistent and not be in a profession where you're killing people. And I just, I just, limitations has this verse that's really helped me because some of y'all don't know my story. I, I was active duty before I was an in-flight refueling operator. So imagine an airplane flying along uh, and another airplane comes up behind a bigger airplane and there's a person in the back that flies a metal pole out of their plane into the other plane. So they, they're connected while they're flying and they this, this plane uh, that's leading passes gas along to the plane that's following in-flight refueling very very quick and very basic uh, i was the person that was flying the pole into the other airplane and I, I did that job for about six years and toward the end of my toward the end of my first enlistment i was deployed to undisclosed location and there were some uh stealth bombers that were on the runway and so me and a friend of mine we went to go check it out we're talking to the pilot we're we're asking questions about the plane and stuff and we look up inside the bomb bay and there's there's bombs up in there and he's describing to us the different types of bombs and so you've got like a bunker buster you've got uh like napalm bombs and and all kind of stuff right and um one of the bombs was a carpet bomb and i, I wasn't familiar with the term at the time so I'm like, oh, what's a, what's a carpet bomb? And he explains it. Carpet bomb, the pilot drops it. It explodes probably somewhere about a thousand feet overhead. And just indiscriminately, the blast radius, whatever whatever's in the radius of this bomb, it, it just gets destroyed. So it explodes overhead, falls on the ground, and whatever's in that pathway is just destroyed. And it's it just is just... It's just devastation wherever, wherever um, the contents of that bomb drops on them, right? So at the time, I had a, I had a, a spiritual crisis because I didn't, 
my job at the time, it was super fun. Like, I, I'm not going to lie to y'all. Thank y'all for paying y'all's taxes because y'all let me have some fun when I was a uh, boom operator. But I struggled. I was like, oh, man, I'm, I'm directly in the kill chain. I am, I am giving fuel to this pilot so he can go drop this carpet bomb. And it doesn't matter if there's a 50-year-old up there, a 5-year-old, a 75-year-old. It doesn't matter if there's sheep and goats out there. I, I, I just, I struggled. I struggled with that thought. And really, it, it helped. It was the catalyst of me leaving active duty because I just couldn't, I couldn't see myself continuing to support something like that, right? Somewhere in the midst of there, um, God grabs a hold of me. I become a Christian and... Um, God actually like puts me back into the military and not as a flyer again, but then he puts me into the chaplaincy and really made me struggle through something like Lamentations where it says there's a time for war and there's a time for peace. And there's a time for war. And as I look back through the scriptures, God uses his people to execute his judgment the way he sees fit. Sometimes he uses people that are outside of his family to judge his own people. And there's death and there's destruction, but that's, that is the judgment of God, right? And so I had to struggle through that and weigh through that. And so being in the military now where I can, I can see the difference between um, going and helping protect the innocent and, and that being consistent with my stance on uh, protecting life in the womb. Both of them are protecting the innocent. So that was an interesting conversation, right? But my thought, but my thought back to my friend was, how are, how are you upset about me being in the military and possibly helping people kill people? versus killing a child like my that to me seems like a disconnect right like what how are you okay killing children and as we can see from the news going on right now people are not okay with killing children and that's the way it should be right but then we start politicizing all this stuff and we start saying well maybe it's okay sometimes to end a life that's what if y'all remember back in the day, Dr. Kevorkian, I, th I think he got uh, tried because elderly people were asking him to end their lives and people were upset. Like, how could you do this? But right now we're passing legislations and, and different things where we're okay ending the life of someone who never had a choice in it. We're, we're in a bad spot, man, and it's, and it's getting worse. School shootings are on the rise. Um, got policies and legislations going in where we're not protecting innocent life. Um, we've got diseases that are running rampant in our elderly communities. We've got uh, people in neighborhoods, in, in, in inner cities, stuff like that, where we, they just devalue, they just don't, they just don't, they don't value other people's lives. And so they take them indiscriminately. 
we've got people that don't care. So, so yes, that stuff is happening in the inner city, but you got people in the burbs that don't care. So they, they don't engage with the people that, that live in the inner city because they don't want to be affected or they don't want to have to care that much. I don't know what it is, but it's, it's a form of apathy. When you have apathy, you just don't care. You don't care that there's somebody bleeding out. You don't care that people are on drugs. You don't care that people can't get past a third grade education. You don't care about any of that stuff because it's not you and yours. And it's running rampant. And, and the Bible says it's going to increase. Um, Jesus said that all these things are like the beginning of birth pains for, for, for Christ coming back. Like it, it honestly feels like the world is starting to fall apart. Like, and, and maybe it's just an American thing. This is an American-centric uh, ideal that I have. But man, we're, we're crumbling. <laughs> we're crumbling. We can't, we, we can't even protect our kids to go to school right now. Um, we, can't, we can't protect our kids in the womb. We can't protect our elderly. We can't, we can't look out for the disenfranchised. And all these things are, are commandments from God on, on how we love others. And Jesus is not, like I said before, uh, Jesus is not oblivious to any of this. Jesus actually came into a world that was just like ours. Back in Matthew chapter 2, right? You had... Um, you had Jesus being born. He comes into the world. He leaves the, the throne room of God, of the Father. Uh, he comes in human flesh. The, the Holy Spirit uh, creates life inside of Mary. Jesus is born uh, into the world um, to a virgin mother. And as he's born, uh, you have these, these magi. That come and there, there were people from the east. We not, we're not sure where. Maybe it was from um, the Middle East somewhere. Maybe it was further, like uh, some, some, some of the, some other Asian country where there was, where there was China or, or whatever have you, right? India, wherever they came from. They came from the east, and they get to Pharaoh. And I'm sorry, they don't get to Pharaoh. They get to Herod. They get to Herod. Sorry, they get to Herod and. Um, they say, hey, we're here to celebrate the birth of a king. We saw it up in the stars. He was born. Congratulations. They're trying to figure out. They were bringing gifts to, to celebrate the birth of a new king. And Pharaoh's like, ain't, ain't been no births here. What you talking about? Where, what, where do your signs tell you that this king is being born? Like he's trying to be on the sly, right? And the, the three uh, wise men were like, whoa. Or the wise men. We don't we don't know how many wise men were, there were. Anyway, the wise men were like, whoa, we, you know what? We'll go figure it out. And the king was like, whoa, so when y'all figure out where this king is being born, come back and let your boy know, I'm going to come give him some gifts too. When his actual intent, because he was so threatened by the birth of, of, of someone who was deemed to be a king, he was going to go murder a baby. But the wise men were hip to it. When they go back home from visiting uh, Jesus, they go back another way. King is pissy, right? And he's like, you know what? 
instead of me going to try to find where this new baby king was born, y'all just kill every every two-year-old in the region. Just kill them. And it says the whales of Israel went up to God as people's babies. And I and I can imagine the scene, right? Herod sends out his officials and they're they're stomping through the city, kicking down doors, uh, dragging babies out from their mother's care. At two years old, some of them were probably still breastfeeding, dragging them out of their mother's care and, and then murdering them in the streets. This is the world Jesus was born into. He was born into chaos. From his, from his birth, laying in a, a feeding trough where there was uh, animal feces laying on the floor and probably, probably super loud from all the animals. <laughs> no place to really lay down. Probably, hopefully on some clean straw, but hey, maybe not. So he's born into that. He's not even two years into life, and he and he's being hunted by by the by the leader of the nation. Jesus is not oblivious to the suffering we go through. I think his heart is broken by it. I don't think this is what he wants from his people. I, th I think he wants from us uh, to love one another, to value one another, to lift each other up. Um, but he knows these times, he knew, he knew these times were going to come and he was trying to prepare us for, them. um, and he told us, make sure you're not led astray. Make sure, make sure that when the times come that you're prepared and that you're ready because they're going to come and they're going to hurt. And it's going to be like a woman in labor. I watched my wife go through labor and Shout out to my wife, by the way. It's her birthday. So, love you, babe. <laughs> I watched my wife in labor. And I hurt. I hurt watching her. The process of, of, of contractions where there's like, there's intense pain and then it loosens. And there's intense pain and then it loosens. And they, and just, they just start contracting. Have y'all noticed that the stuff we're seeing where, where we're just valuing life less and less, that those those things are starting to like contract. We 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 watched it a few years back when we were going through all the all the all the shootings that were happening and and people were just they were they were digging into their political sides. Christians too. They were digging into their political sides. And they just weren't valuing human life. And now we got this road thing and people are out in the streets and they're like, I, and I'm not, I'm not over exaggerating. I actually heard one woman say, I want the right to kill my baby. And I'm just, <laughs> I don't even know what to do with that. We don't value life. Um, over, over Christmas, we, uh, we usually go caroling at the uh at the at a local um old folks home uh it's like a hospital and uh um a living facility that's there 
and me and my family and some other families, we'll go caroling and um, we're walking around and we're talking to folks and we're singing Christmas carols and stuff like that. And, and we'll ask folks, how are you doing? And they're like, you're, you're the first person I've seen in a year. And this, this was like, some of this was pre-COVID too. So I get, I get the COVID argument if people try to bring that up, but this was even pre-COVID where these people were like, yeah, I, I haven't seen my family. They, they don't come visit and we just, we don't value life <laughs> across the board. And, um, but you know, who does value life is God, Jesus in particular, um, I, I talked about this on my word of encouragement for today, but when uh, when Jesus one of, one of the times when when Jesus was trying to to filter his way through who was his actual followers, like he's trying to he's trying to prune off prune off some of the looky loos and some of the people that are just there for a sensational experience. He's trying to prune them off, and he's trying to actually get to like his disciples, right? And so he starts saying wild stuff, like I'm talking about wild, y'all, like stuff where I'm like I don't. Man, that would give me pause. It's like, for real, for real? So in John 6, Jesus says, uh, I'm the manna from heaven. Like your, your, your forefathers, yeah, they ate manna back in Exodus when God was leading them through the desert. But I'm the living bread. And whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood, they are the ones who have eternal life. And... <laughs> People start bolting, right? They're like, oh, this is crazy. This dude is wild. And the and the 12, they stick behind. And Jesus asks, yo, y'all going to dip too? And and um, and Peter says, where where am I going to go? You have the words of life. Where, where else can we go? And man, that is so, that's so profound because not only does Jesus like have the words of life, yo, he is the word of life. Jesus is the word that became flesh. Jesus is life incarnate. Like he, he is what it means to be a human being. He's, he's the prototypical human being. He's, when we think about manhood, we should think about Christ. He is life. He's, he's the one who spoke life into existence at the very beginning. Like he's, he's the one that was back in Genesis. He's the one that preserved life for, for eons. He's, he's the one that, that gave us that gave us not just our physical lives, but our eternal lives. He's the one that climbed up on a cross and said, nothing. Just took it. Took every every ounce of punishment that God had for sin. So much so that the Bible says Jesus became sin. He who knew no sin became sin and just and just took in the full wrath of God in on himself. And imagine imagine how angry God was from how angry God was at Adam and Eve. And their rebellion. How angry he was that, that Cain kills his brother. How angry he was at Sodom and Gomorrah. At 
at Abraham trying to pimp out his wife. Imagine how angry he was with David having having killed a man because he wanted to sleep with the man's wife. Imagine how angry he was at that. Imagine how angry he was with Samson. Imagine how angry he was with some of the judges that were in the Old Testament. Imagine how, how angry he was that he had to put down the Canaanites because they were offering up child sacrifices. Millennia after millennia, God's wrath being stored up. And that's just in the past. Imagine how angry God is at this Texas shooting and the Columbine shooting and all the shootings where people are, are dead in the streets. Imagine how angry he was at the Amar Arbery thing, at Philandria Castile. Imagine how angry he was that that life was taken. Imagine how angry he is of, of all the abortions the United States has performed. All those babies, millions upon millions. Some people say it's, it's been more than, more people have died in the era of Roe versus Wade than died um, in the Holocaust. I don't have the stats for that. Some people say that. But imagine if that's true, how angry God is at that. Imagine how angry he is at all of our sin, all of your sin. He took, he took all of that anger and poured it out on Christ. And Jesus just received it. He received it in himself. The Bible says, like a, like a lamb to the slaughter, so he opened out his mouth. And the, and the strategic things that he did say were life-giving. He cried out, God, why have you forsaken me? Jesus being forsaken on our behalf. He was forsaken so we didn't have to be. And that's life. That's life-giving right there. Jesus saying, forgive them. They don't understand what they're doing. That's life right there. Pleading for God to forgive people who are, who are in the process of murdering him. He says, Father, I give up my spirit. Nobody took Jesus' life from him. He gave it up. And the reason he gave it up is so that people could have life and have it abundantly. And then we come along and we devalue the life that God died to protect. I'm sad. I'm, I'm, today's a sad day, man. Like I, I'm watching the news and I, I've got this, I've got this sick feeling in my stomach. Like I don't, I don't know what to do with it. I'm grieving. And in the midst of my grieving, man, I'm, our grief, even our grief turns to Christ. And on this, on this road to Emmaus, in this, in this proposition, I would say, even our grief points us to Christ. <laughs> and we could look to him. And we could find healing. The, the, the point of why we suffer these things is so that the word of God can be fulfilled. That Jesus can be glorified. And that now that Jesus has been resurrected and has been given this new body and has, and has been given the keys 
to death in Hades, we know that evil will be punished, that those in Christ will be raised up, and that they will live for him, with him, for all eternity. That would be my point of the Emmaus proposition today. And I hope y'all doing well, man. I'm, I'm praying for us. I'm praying for all of us. That as a nation, we can start to get through some of these things. That maybe, maybe as, as we're shocked back into reality, like hopefully some kind of, of, of great awakening comes back along. We've already had two. Man, we're in need of another one where we value life, where we, where we are able to point people to the life giver that's in Christ and that people can be raised up, not just, not just at the end of all things when Christ comes back for his people, but their hopes and their dreams and their intentions can be raised up, be more, be more godly, be more godlike. And man, that we can protect our kids from, from crap like this. But I love y'all. I hope y'all, like I said, I hope y'all doing well. Uh, I'm praying for us. And that is today's episode of The Emmaus Proposition. Please make sure to like, share, comment, subscribe, tell folks about what we're doing over here. I love y'all, man. And until next time, grace and peace.